In your Bibles this morning, the book of Matthew, chapter number 20. Matthew chapter 20. When you found Matthew chapter 20, I want you to look back one verse into chapter number 19. We'll begin our reading there. Matthew 19, verse 30 will be our first verse to read, but our message will come from Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16. The parable of the laborers. And let's begin reading here. And the Bible says in Matthew 19, verse 30, But many that are first shall be last. And the last shall be first. For the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And said to them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is, and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. Now we come to a fascinating passage of scripture. A parable that's often very much misunderstood and misapplied. And the Bible says in verse number 30 of chapter number 19... Jesus speaking, he says, Many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Then we have this parable. And the first and the last is mentioned a number of times in this parable. The last being the group of people who came to work at the 11th hour of the day and only worked one hour. The first being the group of people that started at the first hour of the day, 6 a.m. in the morning, and worked all day long. The first and the last and the parable concludes in verse number 16 with this phrase, So the last shall be first, and the first last, for many be called, but few chosen. The last first, the first last. Oh, how many times we hear people talk about this in passing. Well, you know, the Bible says the last will be first, and the first will be last. And they're right, it does. But often I think we may have the wrong idea about this passage of Scripture. I want to start by telling you a couple things that this parable does not mean. One of the first things this parable does not mean, it does not mean that God rewards all people the same. 
He does not. It doesn't work that way. God does not reward all people the same. Number two, it does not mean that everyone in society should work for the same pay. That is not what this means. The first will be last. The last will be first. I hope by the time we finish the message, you'll have an understanding of what the meaning of the parable of the laborers is. And there's a great application for God's people. But if we're going to understand this passage of Scripture, we're going to have to begin with the context because it really begins to put everything into consideration. We had to back up one verse into chapter number 19 to see the connection between the first and the last as Jesus mentions it. And so we need to back up just a little bit further. And I want to tell you a little bit about the context of this passage of Scripture. In chapter number 19, we have the story of Jesus meeting up with the rich young ruler. If you remember, the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he says, there's something significant about you, Jesus. You are a Lord and a teacher and a master. The, the things you say is true. He says, he says, I want to know about eternal life. I want to know about uh, pleasing God. And, and I want to know more about you. And the Lord Jesus looks at this rich young ruler and says, what you need to do is you need to sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And the rich young ruler, uh, he's like, wow, that's a tough pill to swallow. I've got a lot. I've got a lot going on for me. He says, I've been an abider by the law, and et cetera, et cetera. And that does not teach that if you give everything you have, you're going to be saved from eternal torment. That's not how that works either. But this rich ruler, he's come to the Lord. He says, he says, what do I need to do? And the Lord was really just helping him. Jesus was helping this man understand that he had something in his life that he valued more than his relationship to God. And when... He was pressed and pushed. The Bible says that the rich young ruler went off sad because he had a lot of wealth. He had a lot of stuff. And he, instead of yielding the Lord, trusted in his possessions. Now, it was that kind of context where you've got a rich man who is rejecting Jesus but is going to go off and live in the life of luxury by the standard of the day. And Peter, I love Peter. Peter, he's the question asker. He's the guy that says, you know what, if it's uncomfortable, I don't mind. I'll have to ask it. I can't stand it till I ask it. You know, that's the kind of guy that Peter was. And so Peter, he's thinking about this rich ruler. He's like, here I am, a disciple of Christ. I've given everything that I have. And I'm not saying that he was in the wrong. I've given up my whole life to follow Jesus. And I just kind of wonder what's in it for me. I mean, there's that guy, the rich ruler, who's decided to go with his wealth and riches, and he's got all the worldly possessions you can imagine. And here we are, we've given up everything we've got to follow the Lord. And, and so Peter asked, you can look at it with me in verse 27 of chapter 19. The Bible says, Then answered Peter and said to him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? The Bible says in verse 28, Jesus said to them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. Now, I want you to see what happens. So Peter's kind of like, my lads, I don't get this. Here's this guy. He's going off to live in a life of luxury. He's rejected Jesus. And I wonder what's in it for us. We've given up everything. And I'll tell you what Jesus said. If I were going to just sum it up in Cody Sturgill language, Jesus looked at Peter and says, it's going to be good. 
G-U-D, good. I mean, it's going to be good. And Jesus says, look, for you guys and folks that give their all to me for the glory of God, it's going to be good. He says, for life, I'm going to bless you. For eternity, I'm going to bless you. And there's nothing you're going to give up on earth that I don't make it better for you for life and eternity. It's a great message. And Jesus was not shy to say, look, Peter, there are rewards on earth and in heaven for following me. But then Jesus immediately follows that statement with this phrase. But many that are first shall be last. And the last shall be first. And you know what Jesus is doing? Jesus is going to begin the process of helping Peter understand the spirit of serving God. He's going to give a parable that helps Peter to understand the spirit of serving God. And the way that God's people are to look at, consider, and serve God. We are not called to serve God because it blesses us with reward. We are to serve God with an attitude that says, I am privileged to serve God because he is God and I don't deserve anything. But when you serve God, you're blessed by God. And this passage of scripture Many for the first, the Bible says, many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. This parable is a message to Christian people on the spirit that we should have when we serve the Lord. I'll share it with you and show it to you as we look at the parable together. This message has a long introduction, a short message, but I'm still about uh, halfway through the introduction. So let me talk to you about the parable for just a minute. Look what the Bible says in verse number 1. Now, we've seen the context. Now we're at the parable. Why in the world did Jesus tell us this story about the first being last, the last being first? It was because he was talking to his disciples about the right attitude towards reward and service and how you balance those things. And so here's the story. The Bible says in verse number 1 of chapter 20, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. The picture we have here is a householder. A householder would have been like a farmer. This was a guy that had a great estate. He had vineyards that he was growing. And early in the morning, he knew that he needed help today in the fields. And so he went to the local marketplace where folks who wanted work came and met folks who needed laborers. And so there's a group of people there at the first hour of the day. The first hour of the Jewish day is 6 a.m. The second hour, 7 a.m. The third hour, 8 a.m. And it continues all the way until you get to 6 p.m. in the evening again. The, uh, is the 12th hour. You've got these. That's the Jewish day. So when you're looking at these hours, we can put them into a.m. and p.m. so we can better understand them. But at 6 a.m. that morning, he goes and uh, looks for people to work in his fields. The Bible says in verse number 2, when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, He sent them into his vineyard. As we study the whole context, we understand that that word agreed with the laborers for a penny. That phrase agreed and that word agreed and the phrase agreed with the laborers for a penny a day is very important. So the scene went something like this. The householder, he's a good man. As a matter of fact, he represents God in this parable. The householder comes to the marketplace. There's a group of people there ready to work. And they says, he says, all right, I need help today in my vineyard. Come work for me. And the group of people said, whoa, 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 okay, we'll work for you, but what's it pay? And the Bible says that they agreed for a penny. He says, all right, a good day's wage is a penny. And so the group of workers, they said, all right, we'll work for you. 
We had a situation like this in Asheville when I was pastoring in Asheville. There was actually a place that you could go early in the morning and folks who wanted work would show up there and you could go there and get folks to come help you for a day and pay them whatever the rate was. It was kind of neat. But here's the, that's the story. So these guys are like, now we'll work for you, but we want to make sure that you pay better than Joe Schmo down the road. If you say we get a penny for this day, we're coming to work for you and the good man, the household, the good farmer says, all right, come on. I'll pay you a penny a day. The story continues. Verse number three. And he went about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the market and said unto them, go ye also into the vineyard and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. So the story continues. And so the householder's like, you know what? I could use some more labor's. He goes back to the marketplace, and it's now the third hour of the day, somewhere about 9 a.m. They've already missed the first three hours of work, and he goes and he speaks to these folks, and they, they want to work. He, he wants to work them. He says, go work for me, and there's a phrase that's very important. Verse number four, the Bible says, he said to them, go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right... I will give you. These folks, as opposed to the first, these folks, when the good householder says, hey, how about coming and working for me? They're like, yeah, that'd be great. He says, I'll give you whatever's right. And there's like, whatever you think's right is good with us. And we went and served. So the Bible says that happened at the third hour, about 9 a.m., verse number 5. And again, he went out about the sixth hour and ninth hour. And did likewise. So at high noon he went. At 3 p.m. he went. And finally, verse number 6, the Bible says, About the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle. And saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So what happens? All throughout the day, the household is going and getting more folks to work in his vineyard. And every time, other than the first, instead of agreeing to an amount of pay, all the other laborers said, hey, look, if you'll take me at 9 o'clock in the morning, I'll go and whatever's right, that'll be good with us. And the next group at noon, and the next group at whatever time, 3, and the last group finally at 11 o'clock, at the last, I should say the 11th hour, which would have been like 5 o'clock in the evening, they've got one hour left to work. He hires those folks, the last, at the 11th hour, and they go work for one hour. And now it comes time, the whistle's blown at 6 p.m., the end of the work day, and now it's time to pay. Look what the Bible says in verse number 8. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. Now what did he say? He said, all right, got to get the man that writes the checks to come down here and pay the laborers. And he says to his man that writes the checks, the steward, he says, write the checks and I want you to pay everybody, but I want you to pay starting with the folks that have only worked one hour. You start with the last. Now, we're going to have to understand who the last is and who the first is in this story. The last in this story is the last group of workers. The first in the story is the first group of workers. The last group is the group that throughout the day were brought on and hired on and said, we'll just take whatever you think is right, Lord of the vineyard. The first group is the group who said, we'll come and work for you. 
But we're going to have to agree up front on what's in it for us. And so the Bible says, when it came time to pay them, the steward began to pay. He paid the last first, and then the first he'll pay last. The Bible says in verse 9, look at it, it's very important. And when they came that were hired about the 11th hour, these folks have worked one hour today. When they came that were hired the 11th hour, they received every man a penny. Now, earlier in the day, the folks who had worked from 6 a.m. throughout the whole day, they had agreed to work for a penny. That was a day's wage. Now, the steward just paid the people who worked one hour, one penny for one hour's wage. And so now you see the first going, <laughs> yes. He just paid those guys that worked one hour, one whole penny, the thing he promised us for the whole day. Boy, we're going to get paid good today. But the Bible says in verse 10, but when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. I mean, they just thought, well, we deserve more. And they likewise received every man a penny. Verse 11, and when they had received it, they murmured. You hear this? They murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. Verse 13, but he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is and go thy way. I will give unto this last even as unto thee. What does Jesus do? Well, what, it is Jesus. But what's the householder do? What's the farmer do? He says, look. I gave you what we agreed to. You required a contract up front, and I gave you what we agreed to. And I gave them what I felt was right. I've done no wrong. Verse 15, is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. That's the parable. There's the introduction. I've got 17 points. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Three short points. What in the world does that mean to me? I think I can help you. Number one, the spirit of the first. You see, this parable is not about how much you get paid for what you do. The parable is the spirit of being a servant of the Lord. The first the spirit of the first, we see it. It jumps off the page at the very beginning. And the contrast in the scriptures is so important. The first, the group of the first, what they wanted to do is they wanted to work. Sure, we'll work, but we want to know. And we've got to know up front what's in it for me. The people who were serving initially, their main concern was their reward. And I want to remind you of something. Our goal in serving Jesus should not primarily be the reward. The reward for serving Jesus is a byproduct of serving Jesus. But we should serve Jesus because we want to serve Jesus. We should serve Jesus because Jesus loves us. We should serve Jesus because Jesus is good to us. We should serve Jesus because he's Jesus. But the first group, they're serving and their service was solely so they could get a reward. And so the Lord is talking to his disciples here in a parable. He says, now look, I'm telling you that serving me is going to bring great reward. But you make sure that you don't have the spirit of the first who says, I've got to be served if I'm going to be, I've got to be paid if I'm going to serve. 
don't have the spirit of the first. The spirit of the first. They demanded a contract. You remember that? They agreed on a penny. They demanded a contract. When it came payday and pay time, they supposed that what they had done was more valuable than everybody else. Now, you can just see this for a minute. It came payday. They watched the folks that had worked one hour get one penny, and they thought, woohoo! He gave them one penny. We're going to really rack up today. But wait. They're going to get what they required. They're going to get what they agreed to. They're going to get what they demanded. And they felt in their hearts somehow that they were more valuable than everybody else. When they didn't get what they wanted, they murmured against the good man. They complained and growled. And they emphasized how hard they'd worked. Remember? They said how great they'd labored in the hot sun all day. The spirit of the, you know what the spirit of the first is? The spirit of the first is somebody who says, I've been here a long time and I deserve better than this. I've been doing this a long time and I deserve more. I've been in this church for, and nobody even called me. I've done this and, ah, rah, rah. Listen, the spirit of the first says, I'm going to serve God because I know that I'm going to get some reward. Do you know that God is not interested in the size of your service? the length of your service, the ability of your service, the quality of your service. God is interested in the spirit of your service. And the spirit of your service should be, I'm serving God because he's God, not because he's going to give me something. I'm serving God not because he's some glorified Santa Claus. I'm serving God because he's God. And I know when I serve God, he's going to give me what's right. The spirit of the first. I'll just tell you, I could qualify myself as one of the first. I started preaching when I was 15 years old. I don't remember the last time I missed church. I'm not bragging. You're going to get the point in just a minute. I don't remember the last time I missed church. I've served in the slums. I've served in the pulpit. I've served here. I've served there. I've done all kinds of stuff. I've served God for all these years. I'll just tell you something. It could happen to me where I get so proud of how long I've been preaching and how many sermons I've preached and how many people I've talked to and how many folks I've seen saved and rah, 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 all that stuff that I could become one of the first and I get to the place where, you know, I've been serving God all I don't deserve all this mess. I don't deserve this. Let me tell you something. All I deserve is hell because I'm a sinner. But I've got the privilege of serving Jesus. And if you'll have the spirit not of the first, you'll find out serving Jesus is sweet and the pay is good. But if you serve Jesus because you're going to get paid, you're not going to get paid what you think you're going to get paid. Does that make sense? The spirit of the first. And so Jesus looking at Peter. Peter had just asked, Lord, we've given everything. The rich young ruler, he's got everything on earth he could ever want. Here we've given up everything. What are we going to get? And Jesus says, you're going to get blessed. It's going to be good. But I want you to know something. You make sure you keep your heart right and you serve me because I'm me and don't serve me because I'm going to give you something. You understand me, boy? The spirit of the first. I'm afraid that churches are rank with the spirit of the first. People who think because of something they've done one time 50 years ago deserve some reward. 
People who think because they've been faithful all these years, they should get better treatment or whatever. Let me tell you something. People are serving Jesus for the right reason. They get to the place where they don't give a rip. If they get anything in return, they're just happy to serve Jesus. And humbly, they serve God. And humbly, they reach the lost. And humbly, they help other people. Humbly, they serve God. And I'm going to tell you something. The reward they get is awesome. But when you demand reward, you're going to miss it. When you demand reward, you're going to miss the multiplied, bountiful blessings that God desires to bless you with. You see, the spirit of the first is a spirit that doesn't build a great church. The spirit of the first is not the spirit of a great Christian. The spirit of the first is not the spirit of one that gives a person peace. The spirit of the first is one that's selfish and sinful. And the Lord looks at Peter and says, don't have the spirit of the first, buddy. The spirit of the first, number one. Number two. The spirit of the last. The spirit of the last. In verse number three, we see the spirit of the last. No one had hired this person. They felt that their time and opportunity began to slip away. And the spirit of the last, when the householder, the farmer came by and offered to hire them, They were just happy to get to serve. And the agreement they made was, you just pay us whatever's right. Can I tell you something? You can be sure that God will pay you whatever's right. Look, when you leave God, when you leave the choice up to God for your reward and your blessing, you're leaving it in the hands of somebody that loves you more than anybody else has ever loved you. When you leave the blessing in the hands of God, you're leaving the blessing in the care of somebody that can actually bless you greater than you could ever imagine and give you exactly what you need. The spirit of the first said, hey, look, I'm glad to serve. We've missed a few hours. I'm glad to serve. Whatever you think's right is good. And God says, that's the way you should serve the spirit of the last. The spirit of the last said, I'm just going to leave it up to God. The spirit of the last says, I'm just thankful to be able to serve. The spirit of the last says, I may have missed out on a large portion of the day, but the spirit of the last says, I'll give you what I got while I've got it. When I think about this person that showed up at the 11th hour to serve the Lord, I'm encouraged by that. You may have not started as early as I did, but that doesn't matter. You know when you should start serving the Lord with the right spirit? Right now. Praise him for the opportunity you've got and know that God will bless you for serving him. The spirit of the last says, hey, God, I don't deserve to be able to come to you. I've missed a lot of the work today. I don't deserve to serve you. I overslept. I don't deserve to serve you. I don't have the qualities of some other folks. I don't deserve to serve you, but I get to serve you and that's awesome. The longer I serve the Lord, the more I realize he don't need me. That's fine. I mentioned this recently. Not on a Sunday morning though, but I thought, you know, bottom line is, if something happens to me, you know what's going to happen here next Sunday? Y'all probably going to have church. And somebody will step up here and preach. You don't need me. God doesn't need me. And that's good with me. I'm fine. But you know what makes me so happy? God lets me serve him. God gives me the opportunity to serve him. And God gives me the opportunity to serve him in light of the fact that there will be rewards. But I'm not serving because he needs me. I'm not serving because he's going to give me that. I'm serving because I get the great privilege of serving the greatest master ever. And you can too.
That, my friend, is the spirit of the last. And when we approach our Christian life with the spirit of the last, we say, God, I want to serve you because I get to. We don't demand folks to worship us. We don't demand folks to praise us. We don't demand attention. We don't demand reward. All we demand is an opportunity to serve the Lord with the right spirit. And God says to Peter and his disciples, he says, listen, boys, y'all have the spirit of the last. Because let me tell you something. The last, the folks with the spirit of the last, the last, they get the blessing of the first and more. The last will be first. The first will be last. You make sure you have the right spirit. You see, the spirit of the first leads to the spirit of the last. And finally, number three, God. Let me remind you of something about God. He's pictured here by this householder. God is just. You can rejoice in that. He's faithful. He's just. God is generous. God is generous to his people. And he loves you and he wants to bless you. And he wants to. God is generous. Don't forget this. God is good. God is good. He's good to us. And when we demand our blessings, we forget that God in love is already going to give us something. It'd be like a child at Christmas demanding an inferior toy to what mom and dad had already planned would be far greater than what they could ever imagine. And we're like little brats to God. Give me my penny. (laughs) But all the while, God is good. You see... The rewards of spiritual service. The reward that God gives us. The reward for having the right spirit in service is God's best. God doesn't reward us because of our great talents, our great abilities. God rewards us when we serve him. With the right spirit. And the way he summarizes that, he says it like this. Listen. The first shall be last. The last shall be first. So by all means, serve God with the spirit of the last. Let's pray.